We turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now, this is a very familiar passage. Probably one of the most, if not the most familiar passage in Scripture. We read from verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that verse, John 3.16, is probably the best known verse in Scripture. Go on to John chapter 3. And let's see what we can learn, if anything new, from John chapter 3. You know, the, the term born again has been bandied about so much in the world by every American president in history has been born again. And we come across the term and it has been misused. And yes, it is one of the most important expressions in Scripture. 
because it has fallen into disrepute. And I'm sure that's something the devil is quite pleased about. There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were a sect and they were very religious. We're inclined to look at the Pharisees because a lot of the things we read about the Pharisees are they're arguing with Jesus, they're against Jesus, they totally seem to be against everything when the disciples walked through the fields and gathered a bit of uh, corn, rubbed it in their hands and ate the, the little kernel inside. If the Pharisees came and complained, they were very strict about the law. But there were a lot of good Pharisees. And they were good men who were trying to stick to what God's word said. They were sound in, in many things. They, they, they regarded the coming of the Messiah sometime. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in the doctrines of angels and spirits. But they were certainly implacable enemies of, of Jesus Christ. Because they thought he was an imposter. And so it was all the more surprising perhaps that this man was a member of the Pharisees. But he wanted to talk to Jesus. His name meant conqueror Nicodemus. And he came and you know we don't know an awful lot about him but tradition says he was a brother of Josephus. And that he was very wealthy. Well we know that he was wealthy because when it came to bring spices he brought a hundred pounds of spices to, to put on the body of Jesus he was wealthy they said tradition has it that he was one of the three wealthiest men in Jerusalem he was a friend of Joseph of Arimathea who was described as a rich man he owned the tomb into which Jesus was put he had a new tomb carved for himself and Joseph of Arimathea was a friend of Nicodemus. And he was a member, it says, he was a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin had about 71 members. And there were the scribes and the elders. And they were the prominent members of the Jewish community. And they had a lot of power. They had power designated to them or delegated to them by the Romans they could sentence somebody to death they had a guard very powerful man this man Nicodemus and he came to Jesus by night now a lot has been said as to why Nicodemus came to Jesus by night but we don't know why he came to Jesus by night he might have been too busy he might have been afraid he might not have wanted to see himself associated with the Lord Jesus but the great thing about it he wanted to talk to Jesus and it might have been that he wanted to have peace and quiet so that he wouldn't be interrupted by his everyday business so he came to Jesus by night we can speculate but sometimes speculation uh, is, is useless the fact is he came to Jesus I was with the solicitor the other day, and just by the way, and I, it, it, there was something on a, on a report, and the person said, I assume. And the solicitor said, you should never assume anything, because it makes an ass out of you and me. <laughs> just, so let's not assume why uh, 
Nicodemus came, but he did come. He did come. You have to work that out if you worked it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he came to Jesus. And he said unto him, Rabbi. Now this was, this was acknowledging that Jesus, he wanted to talk to this young rabbi which had appeared on the scene and was causing a lot of problems. But he was acknowledging that Jesus had something to say. You know, I was challenged before I came out here this morning. I read something. I mean, I think what it was now. Don't just say, some, don't just say something because you have to. But if you have to say something, say it. And that, that is a challenge, actually. As we come every Sunday, don't just get up and say something because there's a service on. But make sure that you have something to say. And if you have something to say, then say it. And this man wanted to say something to Jesus. And he said, we know that thou art a teacher. And he acknowledged that this teacher had come from God. He, not, he saw in Jesus Christ something very special. He'd come from God. And for this Pharisee to acknowledge that and to accept that was quite, was quite a thing. Because he was in the Sanhedrin and the members of the Sanhedrin were totally against what Jesus was doing and what he was saying. But he said, I've been watching you and no man can do the miracles that you do unless God is with him. So he accepted straight away that this, this Jesus had was somebody special. He wasn't just another one of the various itinerant uh, preachers that came along every now and again who had a bit of a gathering and then disappeared. No man can do these miracles except God is with him. And you know what? In John chapter 2, we have, look at the week, or the, the few days before, the, what things Jesus had done. His first miracle is recorded in John. He, 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 he turned the water into wine at this wedding. The word about that must have got around. And then his family and he, he moved down to Capernaum. And he stayed a few days down at Capernaum with his brethren and his disciples. And, but he didn't stay there too long because the Passover was coming up. And in verse 13 of chapter 2, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he caused a bit of bother in Jerusalem. He went in to the temple. And he found that the court where the Gentiles were supposed to have access had been turned into a supermarket selling off sacrifices. An easy way for the people to, to gain uh, the, the sacrifices that they needed for the worship in the temple. He found them that they sold oxen and sheep and doves and that the people were changing the money from you needed to have special money, temple money and the, the, the money changers were there and they were ripping the people off and Jesus was annoyed and he made a whip out of small cords and he beat all the animals out and upset the, 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 the changers, uh, money changers tables and he threw them all out of the temple and he said take these things hence 
Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. You know, many, unfortunately, many of the places of worship today have become houses of merchandise. God doesn't like it. God doesn't like it. His disciples remembered that it was written in the scriptures, the zeal of my house, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Oh, he said, my father's house, you've, you've desecrated it. Then the Jews wanted a sign. Who, who do you think you are? Give us a sign. And he said, the sign is if you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And they thought he was talking about the building. But he was talking about himself, his body. He said, if you destroy my body in three days, it will rise again. He said, 40 years, taking 40 years to have this place built. And you're going to rebuild it in three days. Derided him. Now, when he was at Jerusalem in the Passover and the feast days, many believed on him. Many believed on him when they saw the miracles that he did. Was Nicodemus one of these that had seen all this happening? This new rabbi on the scene. Many believed on him. But he wanted to know more. He wanted to know more. He said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. But no man can do these miracles that thou, thou doest except God be with him. He didn't really ask Jesus a question, but Jesus answered him. And it struck me that he, what Jesus said to him didn't seem to have any relevance to what Nicodemus actually had said. He said, we know that you're a teacher... And Jesus turned to him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I don't know the relevance. Of, I'm sure some preachers will give you a relevance to what was not well done before, but I can't just see it. No, you're a wonderful person. God is with you. You must be born again, he said to him. If you want to get into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Nicodemus he, he probably quite rightly in a way says do you mean to tell me <laughs> you know I have to be born I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born again you're not really telling me that but Jesus answered except the man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God born of water as some people in some churches say that that is baptism being born of water but water baptism is never intended here. Christian baptism had not even been instituted. It hadn't come about. And in any case, in every scripture where we have people being baptized, they were always believers. We have no instance of people being baptized unless 
it says they believed. Repent, Peter said, and be baptized. Repentance comes and then an acknowledgement of the fact that you want to be recognized and baptism is a picture of dying to self and dying to the world and, die and, and being raised in righteousness. It's an object lesson for people around showing them that what has happened to you is an experience that has happened internally. And you must remember that Jesus was talking to a Jewish leader who knew his Old Testament backwards. He knew the law, he knew the pictures in the law. And if you go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, see it, what I'm getting at. Verse 23, I will sanctify my great name, God speaking, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before my eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen, and gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. This is it. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols, and I will cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments, and do them. To the Jew, the picture of water was one of cleansing, being cleansed by the word of God, being cleansed by the spirit. Jesus said in John 4, 14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. To be born of the Spirit of God. And the picture there was the Spirit of God washing and cleansing the sinner. We must be born spiritually. Go back to a few uh, chapters to chapter 1 of John. And it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to everyone that believe on his name, which were born... Not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This was a spiritual birth that has been spoken about in John chapter 1. They were not born by the act of man, they were not born by the will of the flesh, but born of God, by his spirit. He must be born again, we must be born again of the spirit of God. Then Jesus, going back to chapter 3, he equates it with the wind. He says, don't marvel about this. You must be born again. The wind blows where you listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. You canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. We don't understand it. But we know that when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're born of the Spirit of God. And you can't see the wind, 
but you can see the effect of the wind. And in my life, when I accept Christ as my Savior, when I am born again of the Spirit of God, you should see the effect of that in my life. The wind, it's a windy day. Where is the wind? You can see the effect of it. The wind, the Spirit, it's the same word that is used for wind and spirit. The wind of the Spirit comes into my life. And you can see the effect of that wind, that Spirit in my life. If you don't see the effect of that Spirit in my life, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Nicodemus was puzzled. He says, how can these things be? How? I don't understand this. Jesus said, if I, you know, I've told, if I tell you earthly things and you believe not, how are you going to believe if I tell you these heavenly things? Then he goes on to describe something that Nicodemus would have been so well aware of. In verse 14, he goes on to say, Do you remember the story, he said, of Moses in the wilderness? The children of Israel had sinned. He didn't have to describe it to Nicodemus. Nicodemus knew it. But the story was that they, they had sinned and God punished them by sending serpents, fiery serpents, in amongst the people. And they were being bitten and they were being killed by these serpents. And they cried out to God and they cried out to Moses. And God said, listen, put a, a serpent on a pole. Put it in the middle of the camp. And whoever looks at that serpent will be healed. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And they, in faith, there was nothing magical about that particular serpent. But it was their faith in God because God had said those who look at that will be healed. And they were. Imagine the picture. A man being bitten. And his family come in and say, Moses has declared that God has said that if we look at that serpent, oh, he said, I cannot believe that. That's an old wives' tale. Nobody would believe something as silly as that. Yes, Moses said that. God said if we look at that, you'll be... No. Get the doctor and see what he can give me, an antibiotic or something. Look at the serpent and you'll be healed. In the same way, God has sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, the son of man is going to be lifted up on that cross and whoever looked to him will be saved. If we put our faith and trust in the man who has been lifted up on that cross, we'll be saved. I don't believe it. I and that's the, that's, you know, you'd say that man in the camp was a fool. All he had to do was to look at the serpent and believe. But men today are equally foolish. They won't look to Christ. Jesus said, he must be born again. It's as simple as that. And unless we look and live, we die. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
Do you understand it, Nicodemus? Do you get the message? For God so loved the world that he has sent his only begotten Son into the world. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit of God. You must accept what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing for you when he died upon the cross. Accept him as your Savior and Lord. Do you understand it, Nicodemus? It's the same thing is going to happen to me. I am going to be lifted up on a cross for the sins of the world. And all you have to do is accept it. Accept the fact that you need to be saved. We have gone away from God. We have strayed. We were born, the Bible says, we're born in sin. We're born going in the opposite direction to which God wants us. And we end up in a lost eternity unless we're born again. Look at verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to save the world. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. And 18 is the one which is quite frightening. Look what it says. He that believeth on him is not condemned. No, we don't come under condemnation. That's what Paul says in Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Paul is saying exactly what this verse says. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, if we don't believe, if you just do nothing about it like the man in the tent, if he did nothing about it, he was going to die. And that's what it says here. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's a warning, isn't it? And what does he not believe? And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. The light of the world is Jesus. We sang that hymn. Light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. And everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be destroyed. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. It's the gospel message in such clear terms. The condemnation is that God has sent his son, the light of the world, into the world. And man wants to live in darkness. The light of the world is Jesus. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, 
His glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. Tis shining for thee. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind. But now I can see. The light of the world. Is Jesus. And he wants you to come. To him. You know that old. We said it so often haven't we. I said to the man. King George said it. On the eve of. The war. The last war. I said to the man that stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light, that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he said, Go out into the darkness, and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be unto you better than light, better than light, and safer than a known way. Put your hand into the hand of God, and he will grasp you, and hold you, and keep you and guide you through this world. Come to the light. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Come to the light. He's shining for you. You know, the old picture we well, you hear every preacher saying is Holman Hunt, the light of the world. Painted by Holman Hunt. And there was a photo of Jesus, the light of the world outside a, a, a doorway and it's all overgrown with ivy and holly and all the rest of it it hasn't been opened and he's, he's knocking at the door there's a light somebody said to the artist you've made a mistake he said well he said, there's no handle on the door he said the handle's on the inside the handle's on the inside it's up to you and to me to open the door to allow the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to flood our lives and our hearts. Come to the light. To shine for thee sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. So when you hear somebody saying about being born again and you must be born again and saying it in a derogatory term, one of the most important things and if Jesus said it it must be important